Life is not about waiting for the storm to pass, guys. It's about learning how to dance in the fucking rain. Welcome to Steel Jack City. Build strength. Get jacked. Begin today, it continues tomorrow, and it never fucking dies. Carve the mindset. The back's against the wall. The only way out is to put the work in. Now here's your host, C-Roy. What's your passion? My passion is fucking passion. Boom, what is up everybody and welcome to another episode of the Steel Jack City Podcast. Um, I am diving right in today because I got a lot to go over. Um, I About two weeks ago, I got a my annual physical and uh, fasted for the blood work and um, got my blood drawn and everything and got my blood test results back um, yesterday. And I thought that this would be a good opportunity um, for a show, something different. Um, You know, blood tests is not something that's often talked about, but it is so important because nothing gives you a snapshot of your health like blood work. Um, Now, I am no expert by any means when it comes to blood work um, or things of that nature, but I would say that I probably know more than the average person. Um, so we're going to use this opportunity to maybe, um, uh, I don't know if I'd say necessarily teach you guys some things, but maybe open your eyes to some things, um, maybe make you more aware uh, when you do get your blood work done, which you should be doing at the very minimum once a year. Um, you know, the older you get, the more often you should get them because as you age, you know, things can kind of get out of whack um, a little easier. Um, so we're going to go over my blood work. Uh, full transparency here. Um, I'm going to read you exactly what I got here in front of me. Um, we're going to go over this. I'll, uh, I'll touch on each thing that they tested for um, and kind of tell you what it is. I have a book in front of me that I read a while back that's called your Blood Never Lies, um, How to Read a Blood Test for a Longer, Healthier Life by James Lavelle. Um, I read this a while back, and I'm going to have this in front of me. It's kind of like a reference point um, to kind of read little blurbs on each thing that they test for so that way you guys kind of understand how it plays its role in the body and why it's important. Um, and then there is a few things that um, are on my blood test that are not in this book. Um, that I actually don't know much about either. And I thought, you know, yeah, I could look it up beforehand and then just include it with everything. But I thought I will look it up. We'll be calling Dr. Google and I'll look it up live while I'm recording and learn with you guys. So there's a couple of things that I, I don't have. I have no idea what it is, but I'm going to look it up live during recording and learn at the same time and, and we'll learn together. So. Um, without further ado, we're going to go ahead and we're going to dive in. So I got my blood test right here in front of me, probably here. I got probably like three or four pages here or something like that. Um, 
And uh, it's got everything we tested for. So it's got it. It's got my result and then your optimal ranges um, for, for the test. So we'll go ahead and uh, we'll start at the top and start making our way down here. And uh, hopefully we can get through this somewhat quickly. So our first, and this is in no particular order, this is the order that uh, the test was given to me in. Um, and our first one up is our lipid panel. So first one on the list is cholesterol. So looking at our cholesterol. Cholesterol has received a lot of negative attention in the past decade. The word alone stirs up images of bad substance that is not wanted in the body. However, this is not entirely accurate. Cholesterol is an essential fat that contributes to your normal biological functioning. Produced by the liver, cholesterol is required to create cell membranes as well as bile acids for fat digestion. Cholesterol is also the principal building block of many of your hormones, including estrogen, testosterone, and progesterone. And it plays a vital role in vitamin D production. So there you go. That's the skinny on cholesterol. Not a bad thing. How everybody's always, you know, demonizing it um, in the in the nutritional world. Um, you know, I think the the recommended FDA uh, amount of cholesterol per day is like 180 milligrams, um, which is not a lot. It's like two eggs, like two whole eggs, and then like you're loaded. You're done with cholesterol for the day, according to the FDA. Um, even a chicken breast, I think, has like 20 to 30 milligrams of cholesterol. Um, but you can see here, it's super important. I mean, it, it's produ your body produces it itself. And that's where most of it comes up in your blood is, is what your body produces from the liver. But it's required to create cell membranes. I mean, think of how many cells you have in your body, as well as bile acids for fat digestion and to make all of your hormones, which for us lifters is very important because if we're lifting heavy weights, it's going to increase our testosterone. So we need that cholesterol to create testosterone. It, it's So you don't want to completely shy away from it. Um, so my cholesterol reading was at 176. Optimal range is anywhere from 70 to 199. And I'm at 176. And I eat a shitload of cholesterol. I can tell you I eat probably at least double to triple what the FDA recommends. Um, last night for dinner, I had steak and eggs. I had probably four or five ounces of, of grass-fed sirloin with three eggs cooked in grass-fed butter. Um, I mean, that right there is probably 400 milligrams of cholesterol at least. And that's not even including what I eat over the course of the rest of the day. Um, now, I will preface this though, if you are genetically predisposed to high cholesterol, if that runs in your family, then you have to be careful. Definitely work hand in hand with your doctor. Um, but I also believe that cholesterol is heavily dependent on your activity level. So if you're just sitting on your ass all day, you will probably be more apt to having high cholesterol. If you are active, if you are lifting, and there's a need for that cholesterol, then your body will know what to do with it when you eat it. Um, and like I said, dietary cholesterol doesn't have as much of effect on your body um, or your total cholesterol levels as what your body produces itself. Um, so just keep that in mind. Um, after cholesterol, 
we've got, um, well, this is a little out of order, but we'll go ahead and stick with cholesterol because I can see it coming up. So after the total cholesterol, we have our HDL cholesterol or the good cholesterol, um, which is stands for high-density lipoprotein. Um, it's highly desirable to have an elevated level of HDL because it carries bad cholesterol to the liver where it is then removed from your system. A helpful way to think about HDL is as a maintenance or cleaning crew that searches for and expels the cholesterol that causes clogged arteries. So that's what your HDL cholesterol does. Um, your LDL cholesterol, this is all a lot of whack. The LDL cholesterol, known as the bad cholesterol, is your low-density lipoprotein, and that they carry the majority of cholesterol in the body, about 70%, through the bloodstream and distribute it to the cells and tissues. The main problem with LDL cholesterol is that its molecules are oxidized, made toxic more frequently than other lipid particles. The oxidized form of LDL um, becomes lodged in arteries, slowing or completely blocking the flow of blood to your heart and other parts of the body. So that is the bad part of cholesterol. That right there, as you can see, which is a small part of cholesterol, um, you know, there's the HDL and there's the LDL. And the LDL is the bad one that can clog your arteries. That's what gets all the bad rap. You know, cholesterol as a whole essentially gets lumped into this LDL cholesterol. Not all cholesterol is bad. Like that HDL cholesterol is super important. That's what carries out the bad cholesterol that's going to clog your arteries. Um, so my HDL cholesterol, optimal ranges is from 40 to 90, and I'm at 50. So I'm good there. LDL cholesterol, optimal ranges are 50 to 129, and I'm at 118. So I'm good there. Um, for the LDL cholesterol, they have like a little scoring system here. So anywhere, they don't have a perfect optimal range. It goes from very high to high to borderline high, near or above optimal and then optimal for a high-risk person and optimal for a very high-risk person. And I'm right in that optimal range. So there we go. Um, next, we have triglycerides. Now, triglycerides are the main lipid constituents in the blood and a major source of energy for the body. When you take in food, Excess calories are chemically converted into triglycerides, which are stored in fat cells if they are not needed for energy. If you consume more calories than you expend, especially from sugar and carbs, your triglyceride level will become too high, causing a condition known as hypertriglyceridemia. Um, elevated tri triglyceride levels are a major risk factor for heart disease, diabetes, insulin resistance, metabolic syndrome, and liver disease. So high triglycerides means you're eating too much shit. I mean, it says right here, excess calories. When you consume more calories than you expend, especially from sugars and carbs. Um, so the optimal range for triglycerides is 30 to 149, and I am at 40. So 30 to 150, essentially, and I'm at the very low end at 40, and I'm eating 3,500 to 4,000 calories a day of real clean food, not processed, but I'm eating lots of calories. So that just goes to show you how important your activity level is.
I mean, I'm eating 4,000 calories some days, which is double what the normal average person should take in in a day. And my triglyceride levels are that low. Where it says if you're eating excess calories, your triglyceride levels spike and it increases your risk of heart disease, diabetes, insulin resistance. All these things are commonly seen in all these people that don't do anything. They eat lots of processed foods. They sit behind a desk all day. They don't exercise. And that's why all these health style related illnesses are skyrocketing. They're becoming so common. I'm eating 4,000 calories a day and my triglyceride levels are low, super low. It's because I move. I get up. I don't sit all day. I exercise. I lift. Activity level is super important. Moving on. Um, We've got next, so we're kind of moving out of the lipid panel now. And next we're going into what looks like maybe the, I don't know, these are kind of organized a little funny on this sheet. So we'll just, magnesium is next. So we get the magnesium page out here. Um, Along with calcium, phosphorus, sodium, potassium, and chloride, magnesium is one of the six essential minerals required by the human body in significant quantities. Involved in more than 300 enzyme reactions in the body, magnesium is necessary for bone formation, muscle activity, nerve transmission, energy production, and blood pressure regulation. It also plays an important role in blood sugar balance as well as the metabolism of carbohydrates, fats, and proteins. Low magnesium status is directly associated with increased risk of metabolic syndrome, type 2 diabetes, and cardiovascular disease. The functions of magnesium are so diverse that nearly every body system depends on it to operate properly, and yet it is not monitored as frequently as other minerals. Um... The fact is most Americans do not consume enough magnesium from the foods they commonly eat. The American diet tends to be high in refined sugar and saturated fats, which yield very little magnesium. So you can see how important magnesium is. All those things, 300 enzyme reactions in the body. Every body system depends on it to operate properly. Magnesium is super important, especially for us that are active because magnesium can be lost quicker through sweating, through perspiration. Um, it's, it's lost through muscle contraction, which you are doing if you are exercising and lifting. So it is a super common deficiency. And it is so important because it is involved in so many things, over 300 enzyme reactions. That means if you are deficient in magnesium, that is 300 things that your body cannot do the way it's meant to do them. Magnesium, super important. That is why it is one of my top supplements to supplement with because it is difficult to get enough, especially if you're active and lifting through your diet. So magnesium, the optimal range is 1.6 to 2.4. And these are, you know, milligrams per deciliter or nanograms per, you know, all these different measurements. So I'm just giving, I mean, I'm just giving you the numbers here. So the optimal range is 1.6 to 2.4. And mine is right in the middle at 2.0. So we're good on the magnesium front. 
the next one, we got free thyroxine or essentially T4, which is just a thyroid hormone. And we'll get a little bit into the thyroid now. Um, thyroid hormone, optimal range is 0.8 to 1.8. And I am at right in the middle at 1.3. Um, the next one, we got thyroid stimulating hormone or TSH. This is where I'll dive a little bit into the thyroid. Um, so let me see here. Uh, located in the neck, the thyroid gland produces hormones that control metabolism and energy production. These hormones regulate how each cell converts food into calories and utilizes stored fat to create energy. They influence weight control, nerve and GI tract health, nutrient absorption, and oxygen use. Initiated by thyroid-stimulating hormone, or TSH, from the pituitary gland, thyroid hormone production includes two principal types, the active hormone, T3, and the inactive hormone, T4, which is converted to T3. In addition to TSH count, thyroid hormone measurements can include levels of total T3 and T4 and free T3. 3 and T4. Free levels refer to the amount of circulating hormone available for use by your cells, while total levels also include the amount of hormone bound to proteins. Um, the doctor suspects thyroid damage, which is commonly associated with autoimmune conditions such as Hashimoto's. The lab may test for thy thyroglobulin antibodies. Um, Alright, so it's good. So my T4 is good, 1.3. Uh, my TSH levels are good. Normal is 0.4 to 4.5, and I am at 1.92. So I'm in good in there. Um, now next, we have um, a bunch of hepatitis checks. So there's really no numbers to spout out here, um, but I'm negative. So I got that going for me. I don't have any hepatitis. <laughs> so that's a bonus. Um, next, we've got hemoglobin A1C. Hemoglobin A1C is essentially, um, to keep it simple, is your, your diabetes check. Um, so if your hemoglobin A1C is, is elevated, is high, then you're at higher risk for um, developing diabetes. Um so normal range of your hemoglobin A1C is 4.0 to 5.6, and I am at 5.0. So I'm right in close to the middle of the optimal range there. Um, your increased risk for diabetes starts when you start to get above that 5.6. So pre-diabetic starts at 5.7, and uh, if you have diabetes, you're usually over 6.5. So. Uh, but we're good on the hemoglobin A1C. But, but that's an important one. That's an important one to monitor, especially if you're, you know, overweight or have been overweight for an extended period of time. Um, you know, that's, that's one to definitely keep an eye on, that, that hemoglobin A1C. Um, next, we have vitamin D, which is another one of my go-to um, supplements. Uh, one of my everyday go-to Supplements, especially for us that are living in the northern part of the United States where we don't get sun every day, where it's dreary, cloudy, and cold for what seems like eight months out of the year. 
So the blurb on vitamin D here. Vitamin D has garnered a tremendous amount of attention over the past decade because of the extensive health-related research that has been published on it. Also called the sunshine vitamin, vitamin D is a fat-soluble vitamin that is produced mainly when the skin comes into contact with the sun's UV radiation. Small amounts of vitamin D may also be found in foods such as fish and dairy products. There are approximately 2,700 binding sites for vitamin D in the human genome, which suggests that vitamin D exerts influence on various nearby genes associated with autoimmune diseases. There are two main forms of vitamin D that are taken from food or supplements. Essentially, you have D2 or D3. D3 is converted to 25-hydroxycholacophorol. It's a big-ass freaking word that nobody can pronounce um, in the body. And then uh, there's another one that is um, converted in the kidneys. So essentially what we are concerned with is D3 um, because that is what's converted into the usable form, which is the vitamin D 25 hydroxy. They, they, that big long ass word, they just shorten it by saying hydroxy. And that is what is tested in my blood test. Vitamin D 25 hydroxy says right here, um, optimal ranges are 25 to 80 and I am right at 72. So the optimal level is 25 to 80. I'm at 72. If you're above 80, starting to get a little, you know, toxicity possible. Um, but if you are deficient in vitamin D, get it checked out because it can, it has effects on so many things. Um, it says uh, adequate level of this nutrient is important for immune function, health of the heart and blood vessels, insulin regulation, and mood, your mood. It affects your mood. So if you're feeling depressed, if you're sad all the time, if you don't have a motivation to do anything check out your vitamin d you know that's why it's called the sunshine vitamin sun's out sunshine and get the sun your skin's feeling good feeling great if it's cloud dreary depressing you're not getting any vitamin d you're gonna be depressed man if you want to be happy when the sun is away check out your vitamin d make sure you're not deficient super important vitamin it's more like a hormone They've said it, the, the effects are so great on the body that it, it acts more like a hormone than a vitamin. So make sure you're checking out your vitamin D because it's super important, especially for us north of the equator. Um, all right, not north of the equator, north of like Tennessee. Um, next, we're going to get into the comprehensive metabolic panel. So now we're going to start to kind of look at um, you know, more specifically the blood, electrolytes, things like that. Um, so the first one up on the list is sodium. So we're going to check out sodium. Salt. We all know what sodium is. Um, although it is not generally thought of as beneficial, sodium is an essential nutrient and electrolyte. Along with potassium, Sodium works to balance fluids in the body. It also influences blood pressure regulation, heart rhythm, muscle contraction, and nerve impulse transmission. Sounds like it's pretty important. Since sodium is so important, the body has built-in mechanisms for keeping blood levels within a fairly tight range. Blood sodium is regulated by the kidneys and hormones produced by the adrenal glands and the pituitary gland. Um, so sodium, super important for hydration, um, for the uh, you know liquid consistency of your cells. Um, so I'm not going to dive too deep into this one. Um, essentially, 
what I've come to find is for health people, you know, people that are, you know, making their own food, they're not eating processed foods, they don't think to salt their food because if you've been eating a lot of processed foods your whole life, there's so much sodium added to them already that it, you really don't have to think about it. But when you start to make your own food, you, d- you don't really think to, to salt your foods. And, you know, you can actually be kind of low in sodium. Um, and if you're sweating a lot and losing salt through your sweat and everything, um, it, you can it's, – it's very common to see that happen. Um, but you also don't know for sure unless you're getting blood work done. So make sure you get blood work done. Um, but sodium – so optimal ranges are 135 to 145, and I'm right damn near close to dead center at 141. So we're good on the sodium level. Um, so sodium, super important. Um, you know, it's gotten a bad rap, um, but because, you know, people that eat a lot of processed foods and they want to add salt to the foods and they're just getting too much salt, they can cause problems. Um, but it's not something you want to completely shy away from. You know, as I said, it's an essential nutrient to the body. So central nutrient electrolyte. Um, so that's sodium. Your salt should have color too. Um, you know, the white table salt, not the best form of salt. Um, you know, I like pink Himalayan salt. That's my favorite. Um, you know, try to get good quality salt. Uh, next we have potassium. Get your bananas out. Uh, actually avocados have nine times more potassium than a banana, but I digress. Potassium is an essential mineral and electrolyte a mineral that dissolves in water and carries an electrical charge. That helps control fluid balance in the body. It is required for nerve impulse transmission and muscle contraction, among other vital functions. Potassium helps maintain nerve and muscle growth, heart function, and balanced pH, and assists in the cellular metabolism of carbohydrates and proteins. Intake of potassium can significantly affect your risk of high blood pressure and stroke. In addition, a recent study showed that if your potassium level is chronically in the low normal range, you are more likely to develop diabetes within the next decade of life. So potassium, super important. Um, My potassium, so optimal range is 3.5 to 5.2. I'm sitting steady in the middle at 3.9, so we're good there. So that's potassium, another electrolyte, super important to make sure you're getting adequate electrolytes, balancing your electrolytes. Um, And the best way to do that is just through nature's food. You know, nature knows these things and it gives you all these things in the quantities you need them. That's why we preach eating real food. You don't have to worry about it. Next, we've got chloride. Along with potassium and sodium, chloride is an electrolyte. That helps to balance fluids inside and outside your body cells. Chloride is also instrumental in maintaining proper blood volume, blood pressure, and pH. Um, In addition to playing an important role in metabolism, chloride is usually taken into the body via the consumption of table salt and foods such as celery, rye, olives, and lettuce. Most of your chloride that enters your system is absorbed by the GI tract, and the kidneys regulate the amount of chloride in the blood. Excess chloride is excreted in the urine. Uh, proper level of chloride is essential for the body to carry out basic functions. Disturbance in your chloride level often signals a problem with your kidneys, your hormones, your acid alkaline balance, or electrolyte levels. Elevated blood chloride is called hyperchloremia, while lo- low blood chloride is known as hypochloremia. Um, so chloride, another electrolyte, super important. 
Optimal ranges, 98 to 110. I'm right in the middle at 103. Looking good there. Um, next, we've got carbon dioxide or CO2. Carbon dioxide um, is gaseous waste product of cellular metabolism. At the same time that oxygen is inhaled, the blood carries carbon dioxide to the lungs where it is exhaled. Approximately 90% of carbon dioxide in the blood is in the form of bicarbonate, while the other 10% exists either as dissolved carbon dioxide gas or carbonic acid. In other words, a blood CO2 test, which is often ordered along with other electrolyte blood tests or blood gas tests, essentially measures the amount of bicarbonate in your blood. Um, although carbon dioxide is typically thought of as a negative influence on health, bicarbonate is actually very important, especially for maintaining balanced blood pH. Blood that is neither too acidic nor too basic or alkaline. Um, so carbon dioxide levels that are higher or lower than normal may be indicative of pH imbalance or electrolyte imbalance. So carbon dioxide, optimal ranges 22 to 32. I'm right in the middle at 27. We're good on CO2 front. Next, okay, so this is one of the ones that I got to look up because this is a new one for me. It's called the Anion Gap. I've never heard of that. So we're going to search that guy up on Dr. Google. Um, the Anion Gap. Uh, uh, looks like this is some more um, acid alkaline based. Uh, this test looks at electrically charged particles, helps your healthcare provider diagnose acid based problems. Yep. Um, this test results are done from results of electrolyte panel. Yep, so it kind of looks at all your uh, electrolytes, looks at your uh, the pH of your blood, um, and helps diagnose acid-based problems. So for those of you that have maybe gout or something like that, acid reflow, I don't know. Um, I, know the, I know gout is, is highly acidic, so um, that would probably be – a red flag on your blood test. I'm uh, not sure. Go get one C. Uh, but the anion gap, optimal range, 5 to 17. I'm at 11, so we're good there. Uh, next, we've got glucose. Glucose. We all know what glucose is. Um, glucose is a type of sugar that acts as the body's chief source of energy. During digestion, foods rich in carbohydrates are broken down into three simple sugars, fructose, galactose, and glucose. Upon entering the bloodstream, glucose is transported to each of your cells. Um, in response to the glucose in the body, your pancreas releases insulin, which is a hormone that attaches to the cell membrane to allow glucose to be taken out of the blood and carried to the cells where it is used for energy production. So I fasted, and fasting glucose normal ranges are 60 to 99, and I am at 77, so we're good on glucose. Now this is one you know, that you have to monitor closely if you're diabetic, um, you know, with the whole glucose insulin response and everything so that's something to take to make sure that you have to monitor closely um next we have the blood urea nitrogen or it's abbreviated and just called bun b-u-n um and the creatinine ratio now uh, so the bun and creatinine blood tests are used to find the ratio of bun to creatinine. Wow, no shit. This ratio, which provides a more accurate picture of kidney health, is usually not included on blood test results unless the bun and our creatinine values are abnormal. Well, it's included on mine. Um, 
A normal bun creatinine ratio is between 10 to 1 and 20 to 1, with the largest range being 12 to 1 and 16 to 1. High and low ratios can be indicative of kidney dysfunction and other medical conditions. Uh, <clears throat> but my blood tests do not give it to me in a ratio. Um, but my bun is 18 and my creatinine is 1. Uh, normal bun levels are 8 to 22 and normal creatinine levels are 0.6 to 1.4 and I'm right in the middle on both of them. So um, looks like we're good there. Uh, next, we've got calcium. Make sure we're building them strong bones. We're lifting all those heavy weights when you build those bones. Calcium is the most abundant mineral in the body. An average healthy male contains 2.5 to 3 pounds of calcium, while an average healthy female contains about 2 pounds. Approximately 99% of the body's calcium supply is found in the bones and teeth, leaving only about 1% in the cells and body fluids. Calcium is essential for not only strong teeth and bones, but also for proper nerve impulse transmission, enzyme function, blood clotting, and energy production. The level of calcium in the body is regulated by a complex feedback loop, a pathway that controls a certain physiological function involving parathyroid hormone, vitamin D, and calcitonin. The amount of magnesium and phosphorus in the body also affects calcium levels. Um, it's important to consume adequate amount of calcium, which is found in dairy products, milk, cheese, yogurt, fish that have bones such as salmon and sardines, sesame seed, leafy green vegetables. Um, as you age, be sure to maintain adequate intake of the mineral since both high and low levels can increase your chances of developing conditions related to the bones, heart, kidneys, nerves, and teeth. Um, so it's super important to, to make sure you're getting enough calcium. If you are not getting enough calcium in your diet, then your body will take it from the bones um, to do everything else it needs to do, and then you have weak bones, your bones that, have, that break easily. Um, you see that a lot in older people um, that become frail. So calcium is super important. Optimal range is 8.4 to 10.4. We're right in the middle at 9.8, so we're looking good there. Um, next, we've got protein total. I'm going to try to start to speed this up a little bit. Um, protein total. So this will be interesting because I eat a lot of protein. Um, the total protein count of the hepatic, of the hepatic, hepatic, I don't know how to say that word, hepatic panel is the sum of two classes of proteins called albumin and globulin. This measurement can determine your nutrient nutritional status, diagnose kidney or liver disease, and evaluate the strength of your immune system. It is also used to investigate the cause of edemia, which refers to a buildup of fluid that leads to swelling somewhere in the body, generally the ankles. Um, <clears throat> uh, so, total protein, optimal levels, we've got uh, it's kind of hard for me to start seeing this. Uh, let's see. Total protein, optimal level 6.4 to 8.6, and I'm at 7.6. So we're good on the total protein level. Um, the al albumin and globulin, those two proteins that it spoke about, um, are right underneath that. And we've got optimal ranges for albumin, 3.5 to 5.1. I'm right at 5.1. So we're at the higher level of that. So that might be something for me to keep an eye on there. Um, 
But al- albumin is also important because I know that um, it is one of the uh, things in your blood that testosterone can bind to so that it is usable. So maybe it's a good thing that I got that a little higher. Um, globulin is 2.2 to 4.0, and I'm at 2.5 there. So that's good. Um, the ratio of the two doesn't give me an optimal range. just gives me the ratio, so... That ain't going to be nothing uh, to look at. Uh, Next, we have our liver enzymes. Now, this is where I'm abnormal. So I got these these big, bold H's on my blood test to stand for high. Um, so we've got, uh, these super long words. They're, they're really freaking weird and hard to explain or not hard to explain, hard to pronounce. I'm sorry. They have AST and ALT essentially abbreviated. Um, so I wonder if, yeah, let's see. I got these in the book here. So let's, let's take a look at these. So this is what I'm high in. So let's read this first one. AST. AST is an enzyme mainly present in the liver, although it is found to a lesser degree in the heart, muscles, kidneys, and pancreas. AST readings are typically low unless one of these tissues are damaged and then releases this enzyme into the bloodstream. Low AST readings are generally a sign of good health and not cause for concern. In combination with the ALT, AST, which is the other one that I just mentioned, um, is predominantly used to identify liver damage and disease. AST readings can fluctuate between 5 and 10% from one day to the next in the same individual. In addition, AST, level, AST levels are generally 15% higher in African-American men than Caucasian men, while obese men often display mildly elevated AST. Finally, moderate exercise can increase AST to almost three times the normal limit for up to 24 hours. AST ranges are listed below. So there you go. Um, I'm glad I knew this going in. Um, so my doctor was like kind of concerned about this. But I'm glad that um, this book says that and that I'm able to tell you guys that. Um, so, and I even pulled up a study that was done by the Harvard Medical Institute or, or, or something with Harvard. And they did a study where they took 15 guys and exercised them and their their liver enzymes were elevated for up to seven days after exercise. Um, So my levels are high. So the AST, the optimal range, the one that really looks at, you know, liver disease, optimal ranges are 10 to 37 and mine were at 40. Um, The ALT, the one where... uh, let me see here. Or no, let me see here. Uh, one ALT um, is an enzyme that's found in the liver and to a lesser extent in the muscles, heart, kidneys. All I want to measure of strain. Um, no, this is okay. This is the same. They got the same fucking thing here. Um, but yeah. So they they are elevated up to seven days after exercise. So my AST ten to thirty seven is normal. I'm at forty. And then for the ALT, 9 to 47 is normal, and I'm at 57. So 
I also had lifted two days prior to the day I got my physical. Um, so there you go. I mean, you know, my doctor was kind of concerned about it. She wrote me a script to go and get an ultrasound on my liver, um, which I will probably do just to be safe. Um, cause the one time that I think, um, Mr. Know-it-all would be the time that it bites me in the ass. Um, but I will do it just to be safe. I mean, she's afraid um, I might have fatty liver disease or something like that, which I highly doubt. Um, I've been lifting hard as hell for the last three months trying to get this 500-pound deadlift. Um, so I'm sure, 99% sure that's what it is. Um, but like I said, full disclosure, you guys can see, I, I do not have a 100% um, you know, perfect clean blood test record in front of me here. There are some asterisks on it. Um, next, I think, yep, we got just one more page here. Um, and this is the complete blood count. Um, so looking at this now, so this is kind of like your white blood cells, red blood cells, stuff like that. So first up on the list is white blood cells. White blood cells are known as leukocytes, are an essential compound of the immune system serving to protect the body from harmful microorganisms. When an infection develops in the body, the number of white blood cells quickly increases and the cells are transported to the infection site to attack and destroy the bacteria, virus, or other bug causing it. There are five attacks. I don't need to read all that. So, white blood cell count, normal, 3.5 to 10.1. I'm at 4.8, so we're looking good there. Um, next, we got red blood cell count. Red blood cells are the most plentiful type of cell in the blood, accounting for approximately 40 to 45% of the blood, body's blood supply. These cells are responsible for carrying oxygen to the tissues and organs, as well as for bringing carbon dioxide back to the lungs so that it can be removed from the body. Red blood cells derive their color from the protein hemoglobin, which is contained in each cell and serves as a vehicle of oxygen and carbon dioxide transport. With the average lifespan of 120 days, red blood, red blood cells are constantly being replenished. A hormone known as EPO, which is secreted mainly by the kidneys, plays a vital role in red blood cell production by stimulating stem cells in the bone marrow to produce more red blood cells when oxygen levels decrease. EPO also helps boost the rate at which the blood cells reach maturity. Iron, folate, and vitamin B12 are required for the manufacture of red blood cells as well. So red blood cell, normal, 4.3 to 5.4, and I'm at 5.2, so we're good there. Um, hemoglobin, which was just mentioned there, um, it's the main component of the red blood cells, um, which is an important part. Normal range is there, 13.5 to 17. I'm at 15.9. We're good there. Uh, next one, this is one that I didn't, wasn't familiar with. It's called he, hem, hematocrit. I'm probably pronouncing that wrong. Um, but let's learn together, see what this is. Is the proportion of your total blood volume that contains red blood cells. This measurement is not the same as a red blood cell count. It is expressed as a percentage and depends on both the number and size of the red blood cells. This value reflects the proportion of your red blood cells in relation to the proportions of other cells present in your blood and indicates if you have too many or too few red blood cells. This value is needed in order to carry out an accurate assessment of anemia, 
polycythemia, and other blood disorders. Um, it is also a useful reference to determine if an individual is dehydrated or has a chronic disease or underlying malignancy. All right, so let's see. So this is expressed in a percentage. Um, normal is 40 to 50, and I'm at 47. So looks like we're good there. Um, next, we've got a bunch of abbreviations. We've got the mean corpuscular volume, MCV. Uh, it's a measurement of the average volume or size of your red blood cells. Um, normal there is 91, or no, 80 to 100, and I'm at 91. Um, next, we got MCH, which stands for mean corpuscular hemoglobin, which is the measure of the average amount of hemoglobin contained in a single red blood cell. There, normal is 28 to 30, I'm third, or 28 to 33, and I'm 30. Uh, lastly, for this one, we have MCHC, um, which is the hemoglobin concentration, uh, which is pretty much the same as the last shit, um, but I'm normal there as well. Uh, platelets. I think this is the last one that we're going to look at. Platelets make up a small portion of the blood. They're indispensable to your health. The main function is to stop bleeding by swelling, clumping together, forming sticky plug or clot. Platelets also transport other blood components, including inflammatory compounds called cytokines, as well as neurotransmitters or brain chemicals. Pro approximately 2% of the neurotransmitter serotonin, a vital, a vital chemical that acts as a mood enhancer, is contained in the platelets. Interesting. I did not know that. The reference ranges for platelet counts in adults are often measured. Okay. Platelets. Let's see. Normal is 150 to 400. I'm at 187. So there you got it, folks. That's... Um, that is my blood test. Um, took took some time there to get through all those, but that's good. You want a comprehensive blood test. You want a lot of blood work done. Um, this isn't even a very extensive blood. This is fairly basic. I mean, I asked for a, a few extra. I basically asked for as much testing as I could get done with my insurance, um, and th this is what I got. But I am looking – like I said, I'm looking for a new doctor. I want a new doctor. Um, because I want really extensive blood work. I want to see everything. I want to see all my hormones. I want to see all the markers. I want to see everything. But this is like this is my report card now. Um, the way I live my life to try and be as healthy as possible, to be as fit as possible, like this is my report card that I get once a year to see how I'm doing. Um, and all in all, it's good. We're good. We're looking good. Um, like I said, the liver enzymes are a little high, but I'm fairly confident I know what the cause of that is um, from my lifting because they were high last year as well. Um, but they were not high the year before. And the year before, I wasn't lifting because I was like six weeks removed from my appendix surgery. So that just even more so tells me that it's got to be from the lifting. Um, but that's it, guys. So you know, I'm not a doctor. Like I said, I'm not an expert in any of this. Um, I'm just giving you my opinions and my viewpoints on a lot of this stuff. Um, you don't know for certain about anything until you actually get blood work done, which is why I highly recommend it to everybody at least once a year. And actually look at them. 
don't just take your doctor's word for it. Um, you know, I get a copy of my blood work every year and I keep them all in a folder so I can see the trends of my blood work over the years. I can see what's going on. Um, you know, people keep important records. They keep their taxes. They keep things like that. Why would you not keep these snapshots of your body's health, the way you are holding up, the way you are living, what you need to work on? Um, if you are not feeling good, if, if you have issues, th this is a great place to start. So make sure you're getting blood work done. Um, I will, uh, like I said, I'm going to get the, the ultrasound on my liver um, just to make sure and be for certain that I'm correct and it's just from the lifting. Um, if it is not, then I'll be sure to let you guys know. I'll keep you informed on that. But like I said, I'm fairly certain it is from the lifting. Um, but that's it, guys. Um, I, I can't recommend getting blood work done enough. Um, get your blood work done. Actually, get the results. You can get a copy of them. It's your blood. You can have it. Your doctor just has to sign off on it. Um, and, and, and keep them. Keep copies of your blood work. I mean, you never know. You know, later down the line, that actually might come in handy. It's just a smart thing to do. So um, get your blood work done. You know, I, I like to do mine around this time of year at the end of the year so I can go into the new year with a nice, clean, conscious peace of mind knowing that I'm, I'm good to go. I'm healthy, starting the new year healthy. Um, and, and everything I did this past year, I was doing correctly, just reinforced me to, uh, keep on, keep on grooving, man. So, um, that's it, man. I appreciate you guys for listening. Um, if you like this episode, let me know, um, you know, go get your own blood tests and, um, check that shit, man. See, get your clean bill of health. Um, that's awesome. It's, it's awesome. There's nothing better, um, than getting a clean bill of health. So, um, share this episode. Uh, if you found it helpful, if you learned some stuff, I learned a couple things. Um, but that's it, man. Until next time, GP, send us out. Second by second, you lose the opportunity to become the person you want to be. Where are you going to stop making excuses and take charge of your fucking life?